Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. As cold as a razor blade, as tight as a tourniquet, like the skin on a dying man. I don't want a piece of the world. I want the whole world. I make my own rules because it's much easier that way. Trust me. What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we're back for another episode of The Snake Pit. And of course, you know this man right here. That is the Hall of Famer, Jake the Snake Roberts. And Jake, we're coming to, to these guys fresh off of Christmas. What would you get for the holiday season this year? Oh, uh, Merry Syphilis. Happy Gonorrhea. <laughs> Beautifully said, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a great Christmas, man. Christmas is always good. You know that. Man, anytime you get to be around family, give some gifts, have some fun, man, uh, some good food. There's just nothing better, brother. Yeah. Now, uh, what did you ask Santa Claus for this year? <laughs> just a healthy year. Hey, that's that's good enough for me. Yeah, that's all I'm looking forward to. Well, I'm really looking forward to what we're doing today on the Snake Pit. We've got a really fun episode in store this week, Jake. This is going to mark our very first look back at your time working in the Mid-Atlantic Territory, which lasted something like one calendar year. And this month, we're starting with your arrival in August and covering part of September of 1981. After this, we're going to go kind of month by month and look back at all of it so we can tell the full story of a time in your career that just has not been covered very much in long form. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, I'm glad you are. <laughs> well, it sounds like there's not a ton of super positive memories associated with it, but, you know, no. hopefully, we, hopefully we can at least, uh, you know, reintroduce you to some old matches or promos that maybe you'll enjoy. Yeah, I did have some great matches with Steamboat and Barry Windham as tag team partners. Yep. We had some good matches, some good times there. 
getting prepared for this, that's what I've been doing is watching some of this stuff and seeing you with like a young Barry Windham and teamed up with, oh, a, yeah. with a young mustachioed Ricky Steamboat. I'm like, all right, this is this is going to be a fun ride. Uh, well, look, Jake, before we get into your arrival at Mid-Atlantic, let's talk a little bit about your departure from Mid-South. It's, it's mm-hmm. interesting that you're leaving them behind after arriving in late 1979 because you'd had some real success with Watts and had even become North American champion in spring of 81 after defeating your old pal, the Grappler. Um, and speaking of Len Denton, he's also departing from Watts' territory and coming to Mid-Atlantic. Why leave Mid-South at this time, Jake? Well, Bill Watts asked us to. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Uh, He was fed up with us. He had had enough. I I didn't understand it. I I never did understand it. I was hot at the time. Yes. And uh, he just said, it's time for you to move on. That's really strange. So So he gave us to Ole. So it was like a package deal, essentially, where he's saying, like, hey, I'll help you guys get in over there with Ole. So it was yourself, yeah. Len Denton. Do you remember anybody else who came along for the ride? Oh, some underneath guys did. Okay. A guy by the name of Mike Miller. All right. Um, I can't remember anybody else. At, at the time, Jake, where were you making your home? In Baton Rouge. Okay, and so Mid-Atlantic, you're going over to, where were they based out of? Charlotte. Okay, so now all of a sudden you've got a big move because Bill Watts makes the choice to ship you guys off. Yeah. Oh, Lord. It was tough. Yeah, that would be tough. Uh, And, I mean, it's safe to say that you'd be disappointed by by the move, or were you kind of... Yeah, I was very disappointed by the move because I thought we had a good thing going. I thought I was learning a lot. And uh, I was able to wrestle with anybody, you know, uh, whether it be uh, Lynn Denton or Ernie Ladd or, or anybody. It didn't matter. As I was kind of looking back through all this stuff, yeah, I saw some big names like Lynn Denton, Ernie Ladd, among among others that you got had the opportunity to work with. Like Terry Gordy, you did some matches with him yeah. in Mid-South during this run. So it was like it was a cool, successful run. And like I said, he put his number one title around your waist earlier the same year. And then all of a sudden he's just like, all right, that's enough. Yeah. Strange. It's over. Well, uh, you said that you could work with anybody at this point, and it, it ties in perfectly with my next question because, you know, you had mentioned before during your time in Calgary that you were still pretty green. Uh, after your time in Mid-South here, did you feel like you'd started to really kind of come into your own? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was cooking on all eight cylinders. Now, uh, did you feel like you still had a lot of, uh, like looking back on it with hindsight, do you feel like you still had a lot of developing to do, or were you there? like? Yeah. Sure, I had more developing to do, but it was more in the character character end of it, not the physical end of it in the ring. Okay. Because in the ring, I was ready. But character-wise, I needed more polish. We're going to have a match uh, later on here in the show. And, yeah, watching back your stuff, again, you know, the thing that always springs to my mind whenever I watch your stuff is crisp. Everything you do is very, like, crisp and very, like, kind of precise. Um, yeah. And you can certainly see that here during this stage. So it's, it's going to be a fun watch. Jim Crockett Jr. took over the operation of the company following his father's death in 1973. And he would be reliant on mainstays like Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Blackjack Mulligan, Jay Youngblood, Barry Windham, Roddy Piper, Wahoo McDaniel. Uh, 
and and many others. Uh, coming into the company, were you familiar with a lot of these big name wrestlers? I'd heard about them, but I didn't know them. Okay, you had never been around these guys. No. Interesting. Okay. No. None of them. Now, these are guys who originated in multiple territories, much like yourself, and they're all coming together here under Crockett's banner. Uh, did you view these guys as some of the best of the best in wrestling at the time? Yeah, definitely. So so coming in the door, like anybody in particular, you're like, I really want to work with this guy. Well, it wasn't Wahoo. <laughs> <laughs> So interesting you should say that because I've heard some things about young guys working with Wahoo over the years. What can you tell us? He beats the shit out of you, man. <laughs> you go to the ring with him and the first thing that happens is you get a great big handprint on your chest. Oh, no. By the end of the match, blood blisters have come up and he's busted them. Holy shit. So your chest would be bleeding. Nothing fun about that, bro. So he was one of those guys who really liked to get you in the corner and chop you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, so Wahoo's a, he's a veteran at this point and very, very well respected, of course, by everybody. You're just a young guy. I'm curious, like, when somebody's doing that and really kind of going off on you in the corner, is it one of those things where you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get a little bit of my own back? Or how do you handle it? I, I get some back. Okay. I get some back. So, like, when you're doing that with a guy like Wahoo, is it like you just kind of push him off? Like, is it communicated, or you just push him off into a corner and just go to town on him? Go to town on him, bro. It's an interesting culture because you'd think that, like, a guy, well-established guy, would be fucking pissed if some young guy's pushing him around the ring trying to get him yeah. back, but they probably no. respected you, right? They respected it. So your time in Mid-Atlantic is prior to Crockett having the number one territory, but Crockett was serving as the NWA president in 1981. Uh, he is known, this is Jim Jr., he's known as being a really hard-nosed negotiator and businessman. Uh, what were your early interactions like with him? Uh, they were rough, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't fit in there. You know, I was one of those guys that, uh, I was on the B team. Mm. I was my main event on the B team. And that's the way it was the whole time I was there. Um, one of the cities that, that um, was one of their best drawing cities was Richmond, Virginia. And I guarantee in a year, I was only there twice. Really? Yeah. Out of a year. That meant I was in Charleston, South Carolina, which is not a fun place to be. <laughs> What was wrong with Charleston? <clears throat> the lack of fans. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, so negotiations, obviously, it was it was more like set up for you by Bill Watts for you to come over there. Right. Uh, and you're talking about lack of fans, which I which I assume means that there were no guarantees at the time. It was like you make based off the uh, house. There, there was a guarantee, but I think it was forty dollars. Forty dollars. Yeah. Like per match. Yeah. And then they pay you based on the house? Yeah. Okay. Um, that's That sounds you shitty. Know, in, in all fairness, I wasn't ready for, for a big territory like this. I had never negotiated anything. I had never uh, had to go in and talk for my job. Mm -hmm. 
I just went to some place and went to work. You know, and uh, there you needed to be in that office a couple of days a week, brown nosing. Oh, okay. And I wasn't good at that by by choice. So the guys who were showing up at the business on off days and just chit chatting with Jim or David or right. whoever, those were the guys who were well positioned. That's it. Interesting. So now, as you are coming, had you talked to Jim Jr. at all before arriving there? Or is it your first time nope. meeting him when you get there? First time meeting him when I got there. And there was no talk of money prior to that? Nope. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're kind of hamstrung where it's like you're showing up in the territory, you've already moved, and it's like, I, I guess I have to take what you give me. That's right. It's real oh, foolish Lord. on my part. It's, uh, you know, it's funny, Jake, watching back these clips, I'm like, man, this is some really good shit and some great promos and big stars. It's like, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. So I was a little surprised when you said, like, yeah, I'm not I'm not super looking forward to talking about this. Now it's starting to come together a little bit. How would you compare Jim Jr. to Bill Watts or Stu Hart as a promoter? Maybe not. you don't like him as a dude, but just his promoting. <clears throat> uh, I thought he lacked a lot. Mm. He didn't know wrestling. You know, he just, uh, he had a group of guys. He let, th let them do everything. You know, Flair and Wahoo and Ole. They told him what to do and he, he did it. Okay. You know? So somebody new coming in is going to have a hard, hard line to pull because you don't have a spot. So that's something that we heard about Eric Bischoff a lot uh, during the WCW yeah. days was that, you know, yeah. he didn't really know a ton about wrestling. So he was reliant on some of the boys like, hey, right. is this a good idea or is this a bad idea? Right. And invariably, the boys are just going to position themselves well when they get asked those questions. That's it. That's okay. the same thing that happened there with Crockett. Well, uh, you mentioned Oli there, and uh, yeah. he was booking for Crockett at this time. Would this yeah. have been the first time you'd cross paths with him? Yeah, he'd come. He came to Louisiana to, to watch me wrestle. Really? Yeah, and then brought me in. Okay. And I expected him to do things with me. He did fucking nothing for me. Just put me in tag matches on television. That was it. You know, didn't shoot an angle with me. Didn't do anything. So it sounds like maybe he uh, he took some interest in you because of your work, and like may, it must have been Oli who negotiated with Bill Watts to bring you and some other guys over. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've mentioned before that you were not a fan of Oli and didn't no. have a ton of respect for him as a booker either. No. Uh, can you give us a little bit more insight on what exactly left you with this negative outlook on Oli? Oli knew how to book himself. Okay. And that's what he did well. But he didn't know how to book everybody else. He didn't have a clue. You know, and uh, his idea of a match is go out there and fight and and then have a run in. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> people, it was so bad that people during the match, whenever it got really heated, people quit watching the match and they would turn and look to the back to see who was going to run in. Oh, holy shit. The fans were. Yeah. Oh, no. That's how bad it got, man. 
But no, only, uh, yeah, he knew how to book himself. But after that, not so much. So his booking abilities were lacking, but I also get the impression that just as a man, you were not a fan of him, his behavior or whatever. No, I wasn't. Like, he, only was a bully. You know, he was a bully. And, you know, he would he would say things to you and you had to be careful how you come back because he'd tell you, be careful what you say, kid, or you'll be in fucking Charleston the rest of your life. What the fuck? <laughs> you know? So it's like, okay, I got to shut my fucking mouth, you know? But uh, my favorite guy was Black Jack Mulligan because uh, Mulligan went into the office to talk to Ole. And he made an appointment to talk to Ole. And when he went in, Ole started to say something. Mulligan knocked him out. Mulligan knocked him out? Knocked him out. Waited for him to wake up and said, now, I said I came in here to talk. Let me talk. <laughs> and so he started talking and only interrupted him again. And when he did, Mulligan knocked him out again. Holy shit. So he knocked him out twice. <laughs> in, in one conversation. One conversation. <laughs> he was my hero. We've we've heard over the years that Blackjack Mulligan was not a man to fuck around with. Nope. Man, that is awesome. I've never heard the story of him knocking him out once, let alone twice in the same conversation. Twice the same conversation, man. That's good shit. Now, uh, before we continue on here with Mid-Atlantic, you talking about Ole being a bully, uh, you know, it makes me think. uh, Bill Watts, obviously, he's sending you away, which is unideal. But uh, was your relationship with Watts still good at the time, like when you're leaving? At the time it was. Okay. Yeah, at the time it was. I didn't like him, but big deal. Are you guys parting uh, when you leave for the WWF years later on a handshake, or was that when the issues between you and he really sprung up? No, we left on a handshake there too. Okay, so it wasn't until he kind of fucked you over in WCW that things went south. That's it. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Uh, well, look, every booker's got some mm-hmm. rules and formulas that they follow. Was there one thing that Ole booked better than others? I know that you said that he kind of fucked a lot of stuff up, but a lot, you know, for example, Kevin Sullivan is known for booking heat. Pat Patterson has the gaga. Dusty is good, great with his creativity. What did Ole do well? <laughs> Fuck things up. <laughs> <laughs> he was good at fucking things up. And booking himself. Yep. Uh, Jake, if I can get you to look inward for, for a little bit as a guy who booked yourself, what do you think was your greatest strength when it came to booking? By being able to, to, uh, manage everybody else. Okay. I took my pride in booking everybody else, not me. Cause bottom line is I didn't want to be on last. I wanted to be on like second, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you get to leave earlier. Yeah. And have an easy night, you know? <laughs> Man, it's unique because we do hear over the years that guys like Dusty and, of course, Ole, and we'll see that here with Ole, uh, you know, they'll, you know, yeah, have great ideas, but a lot of their great ideas are centered around themselves and the main event yep. and the title and stuff. All of it. Um, well, we know that when you were working with Watts, the travel was notoriously awful. How was the travel here when you're getting to Mid-Atlantic by comparison? It wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad. You know, um, probably averaged 
300, 200, uh, hold on, 400 miles a night. 400. You know, three or 400, between three and four. Whereas with Watts, it was between five and six. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay, so there's one positive to uh, to making the jump. <clears throat> Ready for some great news during the holidays? Just last week, interest rates fell lower than they've been in months. This could be your chance to finally pay off all of your high interest rate credit cards and lower your monthly payments by 500, 600, 700, even $800 a month. But how much can you save? It's free to find out right now at savewithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And you even get to skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Uh, two announcers here at the time are Bob Cottle and David Crockett. You'd work with Bob again down the road to Smoky Mountain. But uh, at this time, he's the true voice of Mid-Atlantic. What did you think of yeah. Bob and his announcing style? <sighs> Go ahead. Let him have it. <laughs> oh, man, I can't. I can't do that to old Bob, man. Some people like Bob's stuff, but I just wasn't a big fan of it. I don't know what it was, but he just didn't didn't plug my apples, man. Yeah, I, I think personally, I, I like him, but just because of the nostalgia factor, I think objectively, if I was just listening to the guy, I'd, I'd be like, eh, yeah, maybe not always perfect. Right. Uh, and David Crockett is the other guy, and he's really <clears throat> well-loved by wrestling fans, even to this day, uh, because of his energy and his enthusiasm. And actually, he's still active uh, with us here on adfreeshows.com. Yeah. Um, I love hanging out with David. He's hilarious. He's got a great sense of yep. humor. Uh, what were your overall thoughts on David? David was all right. You know, my favorite Crockett was Jackie. Really? Yeah, because he was the dopehead. <laughs> <laughs> that was the camera guy, right? Yeah. Uh, was it pretty much like the buck stopped with Jim Jr., or was David considered an authority figure there as well? Uh, Jim Jr. Yeah, it's, I've, I've gotten that impression over the years. Yeah. Um, the month after you arrive in Mid-Atlantic, Ric Flair defeated Dusty Rhodes for his first of 16 recognized world titles, giving Crockett control of the world title. Uh, the match took place on September 17th in Kansas City, the territory run by Harley Race and Bob Geigel. All of this was agreed to in an NWA meeting earlier in the year, and it has come out in recent years that Flair as champion was met with a ton of pushback during this meeting. Any idea or thoughts on why putting the belt on Flair might be met with some apprehension at the time? I have no idea, bro. It just it feels strange because it's like, you know, he was super he was very popular. He had the look down and all that, you know, his shtick and all that stuff that people loved. It's yeah. just, yeah, hearing that, I'm like, why the hell would they push back against Flair? I don't uh, know, bro. Have you ever been part of one of these NWA meetings or can you give any insight on these gatherings? God, no, man. Hell no. I wouldn't be a part of that shit. <laughs> you were never interested in participating? No, no. 
you know, it's it's weird, man. The politics and all the moving parts of the whole thing seem very convoluted. So, like, for reference, at mm-hmm. this time, Dusty was working for Eddie Graham, but he was being loaned out to Vince Sr.'s WWF. And here he is uh, losing the title in Harley Race's territory to Crockett's top man. I mean, it, it makes yeah. your fucking head spin. Yeah, it does. I can't make any details of the whole thing, and I don't mean to kick a dead horse, but I feel like your insight as a seasoned territory guy is valuable here. How important was it for a territory to control the championship and by default, you know, the title? Well, you got the number one number one draw, you know, and you just loan him out when you want to. So that means that you've got him pretty much anytime you want him. Okay. So He's in your backyard all the time. And I have to imagine that there's a money-making opportunity with having the champion from your territory and loaning him out to territories, right? Sure. They get a percentage. Okay. Now it's coming together. Yeah. I think it was 20%. Holy shit. Okay. That's a pretty good kickback for just sending a guy off. Yeah. Now, you mentioned on the last episode that never getting to hold the NWA title was something of a career regret for you, uh, which is it's the same case for guys like DiBiase and, and Hogan, from what I've heard. Yeah. Um, a flair's got it here, and he's often referred to as the last traveling NWA champion and, and during that insane travel schedule, which Terry Funk himself and others quickly got burnt out from. Uh, yeah. hy- hypothetically, Jake, if you had been offered a run with the belt, what were your thoughts on that crazy schedule? Oh, I would have done it in a heartbeat, man. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know how long I would have lasted, but I would have damn sure given it a shot. At the time, it's late 81. Are you married? Yeah. Okay. But, like, travel wasn't a huge issue. Like, you could be away. No, it wasn't. No. Man, that's a fun what if uh, for me and a lot of other fans who I know would have liked to have seen you get a run with that belt. In fact, my wife was in Texas. Really? Yeah, she stayed in Texas while I went everywhere. Was she from Texas and just didn't want to leave with you? Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Okay, well, that's <clears throat> that's got to create some frustration too for you, like having to you know leave behind Louisiana and so close to her. Well, she was in Louisiana with me. Okay. But whenever I made the move to Charlotte, she stayed behind. I mean, is is she giving you a ton of pushback on, like, you having to no. be away now full-time? No. Wow. <clears throat> well, Read I know... between the lines, brother. Read yeah, between the lines. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to think of a tactful way to uh, continue that conversation, but we'll just move on. Um, unfortunately, Jake... unfortunately we, we married way too young. Okay. And, uh, the uh, the marriage was in rough rough water. I got gotcha. you. So a couple of young folks uh, maybe got married a little bit too quickly, and yeah. all the travel and whatnot. I'm sure was starting yeah. to to get between you. The glitz and glamour died real quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, being married to a, a celebrity is is probably a lot of fun until you fucking never see them. Right. Yeah. So I get it. Um, so Jake coming in the door here to mid Atlantic, you've got a cowboy gimmick, which is kind of a cool look with the hat. It's got a rattlesnake on it and stuff. Uh, were you doing the same gimmick in mid South or was this new? That was new. Uh, who came up with that whole thing? I did. Really? Yeah. 
now uh, looking back on it, what do you think? Sucked. <laughs> it looked it looked cool, but I'm I'm not a fucking cowboy. I have the benefit of hindsight and or foresight knowing that, you know, what you're going to become down the road. So when I go back and see this stuff, I'm like, he looks like a young Sam Elliott. Like, it's kind of cool looking and he's got the voice yeah. and the mustache. And I don't know, like for me, I'm like, I don't know, it kind of works. But at the I got, time, I got the, Sam, I got the Sam Elliott and I also got the Magnum T.A. thing, you know. Yes. Or Magnum, not Magnum T.A. The Magnum P.I. Tom Selleck. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's what I used to get all the time. I mean, it it looked pretty cool. And by the way, you did kind of have the Magnum TA thing going on too. Was he active at the time? He was just starting. Okay, so if he, you know, if anybody's going to be pissed about gimmick infringement, it would be you. For him coming. Oh yeah. Because uh, when I had him on uh, on an episode of the Snake Pit, he actually mentioned that at one point you and he, I think you guys were working in Florida together. And uh, he happened to be walking past a monitor or something and you were cutting a promo and he was like, fuck, where's the camera? Like he thought there was a camera on him. (laughs) So, so uh, yeah, you guys had a very, very similar look. Yeah. Um, Well, you're starting out here, as you mentioned, in tag teams right away with Bad Bad Leroy Brown and Ricky Steamboat. So day one, uh, you you are here in a tag team. You know, we talked about the lack of ability to negotiate earlier. Are you just coming in the door and they're just like, hey, great to great to see you. I'm glad you're here. You're in a tag team. Or how does that shit go? That was it. (laughs) That was it. I mean, you know, it's no lead up. No lead up, no prep, no nothing. You and Steamboat are tag. You're still young, uh, so it's like you know. I, I guess it's cool to continue to to learn and watch from the apron and stuff. But I have to imagine that after like a singles run and being the North American <sighs> champion, you've got to be frustrated as hell. Oh, I was frustrated, man. I mean, it's one thing if they try, but they didn't try anything with me. Nothing. And it was so frustrating, man, that uh, I believe I quit twice on Ole. Did you really? Yeah, I went home to Texas, and then they'd call me, and I'd come back. How stupid was that? (laughs) What was making you come back? Just like no other opportunities knocking? They promised me shit. Yeah, okay. Then I'd go back, and they didn't fulfill it again. Are they promising you like titles, singles runs? They're they're promising me a run. Okay. So I wind up getting pissed off and going to Florida. And joining forces with Satan down there. Yep. Um, so the Ricky Steamboat, we talked about him a little bit on our episode. He's a mainstay here in Mid-Atlantic. He's going to win United States and heavyweight titles there. Uh, can you give us a little f- refresher? You know, what did you think about Ricky during these early days around him? His time around me, man, was always great. He was great in the locker room. He was great in the car on the highway. And he was damn sure great in the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a gentleman. Uh, he was a fun guy to be around. Did you feel like he was already at that peak performance level we would see him at in the WWF at this point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was there. He could do anything. He's super over with the crowd. And it is kind of, you know, if you're going to be paired yeah. with somebody in a tag team, probably not the worst guy to be paired with right out of the gate. No, absolutely not. But 
They just didn't have plans for either one of us. Well, speaking of tag teams, Gene Anderson is uh, retired from active competition at this time, and Roddy Piper has assumed the role of the new tag team partner for Ole. Uh, they're going to come out and introduce themselves to you during a match with Jim Nelson. Let's have a look at this one. Here's a foot into the midsection. There's an elip which floors Nelson. Nelson started to get up, fell flat back down on the mat, and Ole now going to pull him out of the ring, have a little chat right here, give him a little bit of advice. This has got me worried. This... Now here Jason. comes Ole. Wait a minute. And Robert's waiting on him. Meets him right on the apron. Nelson now gets him from behind. That's what I was afraid of. Nelson with the elbow smash right to the back of the neck. Roberts is in trouble now. Yes, he is. You see Anderson still around the ring. Oh, two, and Roberts kicks out. He almost had him pinned. Almost, but Roberts not giving up. The young man, he's basically he's fighting three people. Only Anderson, Roddy Piper outside of the ring. Come on, Jake. Come on. Come on, Jake. Don't let him get to you. You gotta fight it. You gotta fight it, Jake. Oh, Nelson now really got the pressure to that chin with a knee in the back. He hears those people. That's what's, that's what's keeping him in there. He's got a bridge. He's got it up. He's got it up. Oh. Good move. Good move. Come on, get to your feet, Jake. Get to your feet. Almost nice again. Has he got his chin? That pin, Jake. One and one, he kicks out. He kicks out that time, baby. Again on one. Nelson, though, right back to the attack. But Jake feels it. He feels it. He's got him behind him. Trying to make it to the ropes. No. Good move. Good move. He got his shoulders right behind him to just put him almost into the corner. Well, Robert's throwing some wicked rights yeah. there. Across into the ring. The, into that turnbuckle. Look, he keeps on looking around, though. He just said no. He just said no. And now it's Robertson in the turnbuckle. Right over. Oh, oh, right oh, 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 right on his head. Do you see that? Holy Anderson oh, he's good. Knee lift. Oh, my word. And three, he's pinned. Great win. Get him off. By Jay Brock, wait a minute. Both of them coming in. Now here's Ole up on the apron. Here's Roddy Piper up on the apron. Let's of the stay ring. with it. Anything can happen. All right, wait a minute. Ole, Ole wants well, to get in. Like, no. Looks like Piper now is trying to hold him back. Here comes Ron Bass in. Ron Bass is just watching the situation right now. And Robert. He almost was able to get that right hand into Ole when Ole turned around to look at him. Here's Ron Bass, and I think that's going to calm it all yeah. down, David, at this point. Ron Bass gets in to give Jake Roberts a, a hand. Wait a Wait minute. minute. Maybe all four are going to get yes. in the ring. Now Ole and Piper have thought better at it. Fans will be back. We'll have more action here at ringside right after this timeout. 
Well, Jake, a couple of things stuck out for me there. Uh, you hit Nelson with the DDT, but then you finished him off with the knee lift. Yeah. Was, the D- was it not originally a finishing move for you? No. Not originally. I was just developing it at the time. I hadn't really got it down yet. Okay. You know, I hadn't turned it into a finishing maneuver yet. At the time, I was using the knee lift for a finish. That is cool as hell. So, uh, you know, I'm going to share this on social. That's an early DDT that we're getting to see. Yeah. Not the first one, certainly, but but an early one. And, it, it, you know, you could tell because the guys didn't know what to call it. And you could yeah. hear the shock in David's voice when he saw it. He was like, oh, my God, what the hell? He dropped him on his head. <laughs> it was cool as hell. Um, the other thing that stuck out, Jake, is that you're working in really – Really tight quarters there where the audience is just a couple feet away from you guys as you're working there. Yeah. I mean, how much does that impact your match? Doesn't bother me. Really? No. What about like calling spots in the ring and stuff? Oh, I can get it done. You just whisper. I can get it done. I'll take him to the other corner. Man, it's like <coughs> on top of you like that, hearing every grunt and groan. I don't know. I, I know it would make every, me Every fart, everything. Every- <laughs> what was really funny too is earlier in that video because I watched the whole match, you could hear that Jim Nelson guy, and he's making the weirdest fucking noises as you're like clutching him, or he's like, yeah, eh. <laughs> like, like it sounds like he's too much. You, you <laughs> know, he, he was Boris Zukov. That was Boris Zukov. Yeah. No shit. Jim Nelson was Boris Zukov. Yeah, he, he was Private Nelson for Slaughter for a while. How about that little fat? I never put that together. Yeah. That is awesome. Was this your first time around Piper or had you uh, met him? Yeah, previously? first time around Piper. Okay. So, I mean, we're going to be talking a lot about Piper here. And actually, you have a singles match with him during this run, which yeah. we are certainly going to be watching back. Um, but for right now, I mean, he's very over the top, very attention grabbing in his promo style. Yeah. I watched a couple of them and he is just like, he's out there, dude. Oh, yeah, and- he was. And this version of you, conversely, is like you're very like subdued. You're straightforward on the mic, yeah. um, you know, and the argument for best <sighs> promo tends to be between the two of you. Uh, so it makes me wonder during this time, like <sighs> Piper's promo style, what did you think? Oh, I thought it was fabulous. Are you kidding me? It was He was doing the best promos out there. Would you say, I mean, it's it's funny mm-hmm. seeing some of his stuff because it's it, it does seem like stuff that you would do down the road, except yours yeah. is, is st- yours is a little bit more controlled where he's just a fucking maniac. Yeah. Um, and would <clears throat> you say that you borrowed a little bit from Piper? Sure, I did. Sure, I did. It's cool to see. Uh, for your money, is he the greatest promo ever? Yeah. I think it's you, but uh, I can see why a lot of people really <laughs> like him and the stuff that he did. <laughs> Um, like I said, we're going to continue to talk about Piper and Oli as your time in Mid-Atlanta continues. Uh, but being paired with the Booker and one of the bigger stars in the territory is pretty significant. I know that, you know, you didn't Yeah, but it never it. happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. So we're about to watch it. On TV. <laughs> we're about to watch another promo where you're teasing this thing. So it didn't, it, you guys didn't wind up doing any big nope. shows with them? Nope. Only on TV. Only on TV, bro. So I think of a lot of our listeners are going to hear this and say like, well, that's you're you're on TV with them, like that's that's it. Back in back in those days, the main event was like building toward a, a, there were no pay per views, so you guys were building toward going to a building and having a huge blow off in right. front of a giant crowd. Right. 
except it never happened. Yikes. Okay. So and I, I never, mean, and I never tagged up with Ron Bass either. You didn't? I don't think so. I see. Uh, I know that down the road on our next episode, we're going to be watching some promos that you did with him and stuff. But man, it's I don't know. Like, do you feel like there was just something that they didn't like about you or your style when you came? I don't know, brother. It was something, though. Like, there's something going on here where Oli is scouting you and then all of a sudden brings you in, tries to work with you and then decides he doesn't want to. Yeah. Well, I had the people. We heard him chant your name there during that match. Yeah. We'll continue to cover it as, as the story moves along. Um, so uh, the week after this match uh, or this interference during the match during uh, or from Ole and Roddy, you come out with another tag team partner to address the situation. Let's have a look at our second and final clip this week. Talking about tough customers, here's a couple of tough ones right here. Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake, bad, bad Leroy hey. Brown. Good to see you. Look what I brought with me this week, man. Yes, sir. I've had a lot of partners in my time, but this is one of the biggest. And bad, bad knows how to get down. So let me tell you something out there. Ole Anderson, you've been poking your nose in on me. You've been looking around my matches. I don't know why, but I just want to warn you. If this man's around, you're going to get bit. And if he don't do it, the snake will. Talk to him, bad boy. Leroy, hey, we've had guys like Sergeant Slaughter come in, also Abdullah the Butcher. It's really getting rough. Hey, you know it's getting rough? Right here in the mid-Atlantic area. And only the stones shall survive. You know, back in Chicago, the one thing I learned early in life, and that's how to survive. And me and my man Jacob take on all takers. And Ole Anderson, I don't like him no way, like I told him before. And anytime I get my hands on him, anywhere, whoa, he gonna pay some heavy dues. All right, Jake the Snake Roberts, bad, bad Leroy Brown. That's something David. else. They are, they are two rough ones, and like they said, watch out, Ole Anderson. They're ready to take on all yeah. comers. Watch out, Ole Anderson. We'll see you on TV. Yeah, I don't remember us ever having a match. You and Bad Bad? Nope. Uh, well, actually, uh, next next time we discuss it, there is a tag team match with the two of you on there. Really? We'll, we'll watch back. Yep. Wow. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers. I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Um, so Jake Leroy Brown, um, I had, have never seen anything of his before I started doing this, not a match, not a promo, nothing. Oh, really? That not a single thing. Uh, but but brother, that guy just jumps right off the damn screen, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. I mean, was he as much fun to be around as he seemed? No. No? No. (laughs) What was he like? He'd fall asleep. (laughs) What? 
He fell asleep in the ring one time. No shit. Yeah. Standing in the corner. Fell asleep. <laughs> I mean, watching that back, I'm like, holy shit, the party scene down there must have been a fucking blast with Leroy yeah. around. In Mid-South, he was tagged up with Ernie Ladd. Really? Yeah. He was one of the guys that came over. Now, is that where he fell asleep? Is it when he was teaming up with Ernie? No. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit, man. Amazing. Um, wow. Okay. So, yeah, I was like, hey, Jake is there. Barry's there. Uh, now this crazy bastard's around. Like, boy, the party scene in Mid-Atlantic. You guys must have been having a ball, but not so much. No, that Leroy didn't party. Uh, you don't really remember working with the guy. I was going to ask you what you thought of him as a partner, but uh, how about what did you think of him and his work when you'd see it? It was all right. Yeah? It was okay. Not too bad for a big man? Not too bad for a big man. Well, uh, interesting character, and you're surrounded by a lot of them here in Mid-Atlantic, and we'll be talking about more of them next month. Uh, Jake, when this podcast drops, it's going to be the final episode of 2023, so uh, we're going to be starting out 2024 hot with another anticipated episode of Ask Jake Anything. Jake, All right. Man. Happy New Year to you too, brother. Hey, man, it's been a fun ride. We appreciate all of you listeners yeah. out there. We didn't get to say it on the last episode, but we hope you have happy holidays and a safe new year. And we'll catch you on the other side, 2024. All right, bro. Okay, guys, if you're looking to attract that 25 to 54-year-old male demographic to your product or service, you have got to check out AdvertiseWithSnake.com. I mean, getting Jake the Snake Roberts to talk about your product, absolutely. Not only that, we're going to put it over on social media. Jake will put it over on his social media. I mean, you cannot do any better than having Jake endorse your product. He's still a household name. He's still on AEW TV. He's still out making the town, shaking hands with fans, and he can help you target the exact audience that you're looking to attract. If you need evidence that it works, all you've got to do is listen to the show. We are always advertising for the same folks because once they advertise with us, they find out that what we do works. Head over to AdvertiseWithSnake.com and get teamed up with the Hall of Famer, Jake the Snake Roberts. JakeTheSnakeShop.com is your destination for rare signed collectibles straight from the man himself. We're talking about autographed figures. We've got shirts. He's got 8x10s and much more. Uh, by the way, there is a fire sale still going on on the custom sculptures of Jake made by Sin Bodhi. They are available now, and they are just awesome looking. He's got the, the head sculptures. Um, which are just uh, incredible pieces of artwork, not to mention the Greek-style statue of Jake. It's like a cool, classic look, but it's got the most dangerous man in wrestling, Jake the Snake Roberts, holding Damien. You've got to at least go and have a look. And by the way, Jake is signing everything that he sells over there. Just go check it out. Go right now, jakethesnakeshop.com. Go and add a new centerpiece to your wrestling collection. You got to get over to cameo.com slash jakesnake for a personal message from the Hall of Famer. Here's a recent review from Todd. Awesome. Done in a day and done thoughtfully. Thanks, Jake. You're going to make a grown man happy today. Guys, all of the reviews over there are the same. Go and have a look just at the reviews because Jake puts so much effort into these. When you get a cameo from Jake, it's unlike any other cameo that you're going to get from anybody else. Jake loves doing them. He loves interacting with his fans, loves hearing from you guys, and he'll do anything. If you want a birthday wish, a holiday wish, how about just getting him to roast you or 
cut a promo on you. The greatest promo of all time can cut a promo on you. I mean, you just can't beat that, guys. It's cameo.com slash jakesnake. Go and order yours right now. Well, the holiday season is almost over, but that cold weather is not going anywhere. Get over to the Snake Pit page at boxergimmicks.com and go keep warm in style. We just added a new Snake Pit hoodie. We've got sweatshirts. We've got long sleeve shirts, hats, mugs for all your warm drinks. Also, if you're like me and you miss that fashion from 80s and 90s wrestling, you are absolutely going to love the style that we have on our page. I made a real effort to review every single one of these designs to make sure that they match the aesthetic that we want. And let me tell you, I think that we nailed it over there. Go and have a look for yourself. Again, it's the Snake Pit page at boxofgimmicks.com. Check us out on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Snake Pit Pod for short clips from the show, highlights, and some exclusive content. By the way, speaking of exclusive content, here's a reminder. We just dropped that WCCW bonus episode with Baby Doll as the guest host, and the only place you're going to get it is on YouTube. You won't be able to hear it anywhere else, so just get over there, check it out, and do us a huge favor by subscribing. Also, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review on all platforms. It's going to help Jake and I out a whole bunch. And just a reminder, as always, you can get the Snake Pit and all the other shows in our network early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. It starts at just $9 a month, which adds up to less than $0.15 cents per episode each month. Plus, I mean, there's just a ton of bonus content, interactive chats with your favorite hosts and wrestling personalities and so much more over there. The latest Hacksaw Hour is up there right now with myself and Jim Duggan, and we have every show we've ever done so far in the archive, so you can get caught up if you're behind. I absolutely love recording with Jim and hearing his hilarious, unique stories. I mean, the guy's been in wrestling for so long. He's done so much. He's been to so many territories. I mean, we are just at the very, very tip of the iceberg, and we're eight episodes in. If you like what we're doing here, I really think that you're going to love the Hacksaw Hour. Head over to adfreeshows.com today and get signed up. Also, as many of you know, I do a podcast with Ted DiBiase called Everybody's Got a Pod, and we were just nominated for an award. The Sports Podcast Awards just made us one of their finalists for Best Wrestling Podcast, and we need your vote to help us get over the finish line. We would truly, truly appreciate any support that you could give us. Just go over to sportspodcastgroup.com, find the voting page, look at the wrestling category, and cast your vote to do us a big favor. You can catch Jake on X at Jake Snake DDT on Instagram at Jake the Snake DDT and on Facebook at Real Jake the Snake. You can follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on X and you can follow the podcast at Snake Pit Pod on all social media platforms. I absolutely love this look back to Jake's time in the Mid-Atlantic Territory. There's still so much left to tell. Again, we're going to be going month by month. And again, it's this is a period of Jake's career that just does not get talked about. Go and look through any shoot interviews he's done or radio conversations he's had over the years nobody asks him about this there are so many news stories that we're going to get to hear when we start exploring this and i cannot wait and i can't wait to see you guys in 2024 right here on the snake pit